Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Welcome to the Redshirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wyrock, coming to you in week 10, heading into week 10. Oh, Double-digit weeks? Guys, can we just start the season over? Yeah, how? I don't like it. How is it already November and we're talking about today on our show, a little bit of playoff preview, like... I feel like we literally were talking about who to draft in August, like yesterday. I'm very sad that the season's going so quick. I don't like being old. Everything goes by faster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's been, it's been, it feels like it's a short time, but we've been recording since like the early off season. And so like we've, we've put a lot of effort into all these episodes that we brought out. So hopefully you as a listener are enjoying them so far. We really appreciate you sticking with us. This far, uh, we applaud you for that. So thank you very much, listeners out there. But uh, yeah, we got to keep pressing on. It, it's almost playoff time, and this is when you know the 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 stuff hits the fan, so to speak. <laughs> to be kind very of uh, nicer <laughs> about it, but yeah, but uh, yeah, let's jump right into the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you. To stop what you're doing and listen. Throw up the X. Des Bryant is back in business. He got signed by the Saints this morning. He went and had a workout with them yesterday. Uh, Traquan Smith, Cam Meredith, see you later. Des is in town. Or or, or do you guys have other thoughts? I feel like you do. (laughs) Okada, what do you think? I'll let you go ahead first. (laughs) <laughs> um, I have been a Des Bryant fan for a long time. In fact, I should have put on my Des Bryant jersey that I have. He was one of my first great fantasy players. So I've thought that he w- should have been on a football team this entire season and was sad that he wasn't and probably understood that he wasn't because he wanted too much money. But now he has found himself a landing spot where the chances at a Super Bowl, I guess, trump the money. Or maybe the Saints gave him a lot of money. I don't know. We don't know yet, right? We don't know the yeah, exact Yeah, I details. haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, so good for him. And honestly, great for the Saints. Because this gives him another red zone weapon. And personally, I still think he has enough left in the tank to be useful elsewhere on the field. Also, it bolsters a offense that's already one of the best in the league. And in my opinion locks them in as one of the top three options to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I think for me it's all right. It's more of a this helps Drew Brees and I'm excited for the Saints offense more than I am to be a Des Bryant owner in fantasy. I will say, however, uh, owning Des Bryant in some best ball leagues was very exciting to finally see him actually be on a roster. <laughs> uh, but I just, I don't know, man. I feel like at this point in his career and I feel like what he thinks he is as a player and what he actually is, uh, is a very mismatched situation, but you know it, it's it's one of those situations too that you can you could argue you know he's on Drew Brees' offense he's going to have some opportunities to find the end zone and so yeah he'll have some fantasy relevant weeks. For me though, I, I'm probably going to stay away from it. You you know he's going to take a few weeks to get acclimated into the offense, and at that point, you know it's playoff time. And are you really going to trust throwing Des Bryant into your lineup? Maybe not. For me, probably not. Probably well, not. Well, and good point. see. 
Probably not, but I, I'm at least getting him now in before week 10. And so I have a couple of weeks to see if he's going to be something worth playing in the playoffs. He gets time to acclimate to the playbook. Here's what I'm hoping for in Des Bryant going to the Saints. I am hoping for that 2013-2014 Jimmy Graham-type role going to Des Bryant. He's a glorified tight end-wide receiver hybrid. And I think that Des Bryant is just good enough still and just big enough. He's still big, believe it or not. He didn't get any smaller when he was not on any teams. He can still get that jump ball, get that shoulder fade type of guy in the red zone. I think that the Saints brought in him brought him in for a reason, and so they can continue to be a high-scoring team in the red zone. And uh, he's got TD upside, and I, I don't think uh, anyone will question that. No way. There is pretty much no chance that he doesn't catch at least one touchdown for the Saints, and I would bet <laughs> more than Very bullish multiple. of you, Okada. I like it. <laughs> you, you should start start looking up some props. I'm sure there's already some uh, Des Bryant prop bets out there. So. Uh-huh. Um, That'll be fun, but uh, I, I don't know. Do you guys have any further thoughts on this? I think we pretty much summed it up, but uh, let's real quick touch on another big name who hasn't played so far that, yet this year, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, we, we've, we're starting to come to understand exactly what it is that's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell now, this season, in the future. He has one week to return to the Steelers if he wants to... Um, play play this year, play this yeah. season yeah if he wants to play however there are still options if he sits out the entire season for him to go to a different team in 2019 that's from my understanding now okay i will tell you this kent and listeners working at the nfl network this week people are all over the place no one knows really exactly the the one thing we do know is that if things fall out a certain way, it's likely that Le'Veon and the NFLPA, the Players Association, will sue the NFL or the Steelers if they try to ta- tag him again at a certain price, something like this. So the point of me saying that is it's to the point where the rules aren't even clear and this might end up getting some kind of strange arbitration, who knows what. So... It's very confusing what is going to happen and what could happen. All of that aside, the most interesting thing to me is that it's still confusing what will happen if he does just straight up report and show up to practice. What are the Steelers going to do? At this point... Backup. At this point, yeah, he's a backup. He's James Conner's backup. I mean, one thing, Okada, too, that you didn't mention, and I'll just throw it in here... We do know that he is in Pittsburgh. He's in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, he was seen playing basketball in LA Fitness, which I feel like you're more likely to get injured at like your local gym playing pickup <laughs> basketball than play in the NFL. Uh, that's just me. But um, we do know he's in the city, so you know I guess the chances of him returning are now higher than obviously they were when he was in Miami. Uh, I'm just done with the situation, guys. I, I hope I hope that he doesn't come back honestly, so we can just say, okay, everyone, drop him, move on. Um, don't waste the roster spot anymore because it's been super frustrating uh, as a Love Bell owner. Yeah, if, uh, this if situation... Ha- go uh, ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I would just say if that happens, he'd have to be the biggest fantasy bust of all time not related to injury. Yeah, I, it's it's got to be up there. I mean, there's, there's no way it's not. I think the only other way that you might have a bigger bust is if you 
you drafted someone in the first round that you ended up playing every week and did bad. I mean, at <laughs> least this way you're starting someone who has a chance at getting That's points. Fair. But uh, Le'Veon Bell's just guaranteed goose eggs all year, so... Uh, yeah, the situation is just super unprecedented, and I think that's why everyone is so confused. So expect there to be a lot of fireworks still yet to come on this situation, I'm sure, no matter what happens. So Lev Bell Watch continues at least one more week. So November 13th, I think we'll we'll see another report come out uh, uh, based on what the team and the, and the NFL and the, and the, the NFLPA are going to plan on doing. So pay attention then. Let's move on to a small piece of news. The uh, Actually, the Detroit Lions waived Amir Abdullah and re-signed Zach Zenner. Now, the Vikings, they picked up Amir Abdullah on waivers, and I have zero clue why they thought they needed to do this. They, they ended up waiving Rock Thomas themselves, which is Amir Abdullah better than Rock Thomas, our fourth string running back? Yeah, he probably is. But did the Vikings need to get a fifth running back? <laughs> no. Like, why did we – I mean, we're not going to take all of his cap hit for this year. I'm complaining as a Vikings fan right now. But he has a $1.3 million cap hit for this year, and we're going to take on some of that. And I, it is just pointless to me that beyond Dalvin Cook, who is at least playing now, has some injury problems, but is playing, Latavius Murray, who's been fine in his wake, Mike Boone, who's looked great in a limited capacity for an undrafted guy – and then Rock Thomas was even okay for being another undrafted guy. Why did we need Amir Abdullah? It makes no sense to me. Sorry, I had to get that yeah, up. You feeling there. okay, buddy? You all right? No, I'm <laughs> good. good. I, I need like a confused skull chant right now. Like skull? Yeah, question mark? Skull? But, but I don't. Kent, I don't know. Don't you remember that one preseason run that Amir Abdullah had? Oh my that God. was amazing. <laughs> yeah, how many years ago was that? He's, he's the like goat. Ten years. I think everyone that. That plays Ugh. fantasy football remembers that one run. And I literally can tell you anything else about Amir Abdullah to this point in his career. <laughs> Other than he's been awful. Yeah, Carry on Johnson's been leaps and bounds better, but uh I don't know. Anyway, that's all I really had to say on that. So thank you for, for humoring me there a little bit. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Alright, we got some uh we got some injury news this week, so let's let's talk through it real quick. Up first, we are gonna talk about AJ Green, who is seen in a walking boot on their bye week. Now, it has already been declared that he is out for the following week. We talked about that injury a little bit last week when we heard about it. Uh, sounds like it's something a little more serious. So, Betts, I want you to fill me in on the toe situation with A.J. Green. Yeah, and you, you kind of you know talked about it already there. He's going to miss a week in... Adam Schefter is reporting he's going to miss at least two weeks um, and potentially longer. You know, most people saw that two-week mark and said, okay, I can be fine without Green for two weeks. And when he gets back, he's back. But that's not the case, actually. They're going to reevaluate him in two weeks. So he's kind of resting for two weeks, um, rehabbing, and then they're going to see where he's at at that point. We really don't know the specifics of what's going on with this injury. However, we do know surgery was considered an option. Fortunately for Green, they're going to avoid surgery. So uh, this is a little more serious than I think we all were led to believe initially. Um, and yeah, at this point, it's kind of a wait and see in in two weeks. Yikes. How do, you, how do you guys feel about Tyler Boyd and then maybe John Ross in the next week or two here? I've gone a little bit back and forth on Tyler Boyd as to, well, now he's going to get the number one corners, but he's probably going to get more targets. And I'm leaning towards the... Uh, this is better for Boyd by a little bit. I don't know if he'll be putting up like top six numbers or something like that moving forward, but I don't think there's any chance that he doesn't get a target bump. 
And even if those targets are coming against better corners, I think that probably means a reception bump. Uh, so I like it. I like it for Boyd. I don't like it this week because they're they're facing the Saints. Um, I believe is that right? Yeah, and Okada, is I'm gonna, gonna, confirm? I'm gonna okay, yeah. have you pump the brakes here for a second because we've got a mailbag question oh. that ties in directly to oh, oh, AJ Green oh, oh, oh. and the Saints situation. So we'll like let's it. put that on All the back right. burner. We'll come back to it. Okay. Okay, I like that. So let's move on to Geronimo Allison, who has been officially placed on the injured reserve list. No. Can you say Valdez Scantling time? Because I sure can. Oh, I'm so excited but, for MBS. I can't oh wait. Oh my god, he's been lighted up. But but real quick, let's touch on the injury. What what happened with Geronimo Allison? Why did he end up on the IR? Yes, yeah, so this is a very similar situation as the Marshawn Lynch injury, where it was being reported that he had a groin groin injury, uh, which came out last Thursday during practice after Okada made him his start of the week, nonetheless. And, yeah, uh, um, uh, we need the listeners to decide whether I get Valdez Scantling as an automatic replacement because I'm pretty sure I do. But uh, well, I'll tell you, I don't know about the start of the week, but we'll talk about the projection bets. I have, I have, we're good there. So just right, uh, we'll we'll, right. we'll push through to that. And so with Allison, he's going to undergo surgery to repair uh, a core muscle injury again. Same surgeon, same operation that Marshawn Lynch had, and it carries roughly like a six to eight week timeline for recovery and at this point in the season it just makes sense for them to shut him down and try to get him healthy for next year so his season is over sure. and yeah valdez cantling definitely slides right in there and it's possible valdez cantling even has more potential in my book because of how quickly he's gotten on the same page with rogers we typically don't really see that he like takes a while to like a receiver and then trust them and throw the ball their way a lot but They've been clicking like crazy in this in his first year, so I think he has great potential for the rest of the season. And if you happen to be in a dynasty league and people still aren't quite sure what they have in him, I would consider snapping him up. Yeah, I, I heard this little story that in the last game Rogers threw a pass to him. It was a good completion. Then he, they went back in the huddle, and he was like, "Listen." Listen, Valdez Scantling. I don't know if he calls him by his whole name or he's got some <laughs> nickname because I hope he has a nickname for that that guy. But he says, listen, kid, I'm going right back to you. I'm going to throw you another deep one. And so he does. They go back, line up. They throw another deep completion, and he ends up with over 100 yards on the day. He just had a great outing. So you're right. I think if, if Aaron Rodgers is already taking a liking to him, which considering at the beginning of this year we heard all those stories about how he really disliked how the rookies were performing, uh, it's nice to see one of them kind of uh, – uh, mature a little bit into the NFL game uh, rather quickly, to be perfectly honest, considering his draft stock. Yeah, the future is definitely bright for him uh, in that offense for sure. So yeah, I like that, especially for next year. He gets kind of a head start on seeing what he can be as a starting player uh, opposite Devontae Adams. So I like it a lot for his development too. All right, well, let's move on and talk about Sammy Watkins uh, something something foot injury. I feel like I just <laughs> fill in the gaps. It's every single year. There's always a foot injury with Sammy Watkins. What is what is the deal with this? Honestly? Yeah, so this kind of came out actually just today. It was very um, kind of out of the blue. Apparently, though, he dealt with some soreness in his foot after the game on Sunday this past week, uh, but it was not you know reported. It didn't come out in the news until today. Uh, and so we're not really sure what's going on with Sammy Watkins, but it's worth noting here that he does have a history of a Jones fracture. This is the same injury that Julio Jones has had in his career, as well as Greg Olson most recently. Um, and he did require the second surgery. And so 
if it's related to that, that really, really concerns me. And if it's not, it could be a minor thing and it could be just one week. Uh, I will say they are they're reporting now and things are coming out that it's more than likely than not that he actually sits uh, in week 10. So if you're relying on Sammy Watkins, you're going to need a backup plan. Do you have any interest in the ancillary wide receivers beyond Tyreek Hill? Mm, not really. I think it just boosts Kelsey Hill and even Hunt a little bit. Yeah, same for me. I, I don't really want any piece of the other options there. I think it just kind of like you said, Okada, makes the other guys even more valuable. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. Um, the Browns, I just – or excuse me, the uh, the Cardinals are kind of a trickier matchup. You're going to have the number one cornerback uh, going to be covering Tyreek Hill, so that, that leaves, you know, got to go to those other guys. Usually it's going to be Kelsey, but – you know, you could see a big play out of him. I just don't know if I want to project it. So I, I, I understand that take. But uh, is there, is it? Did you say? Do you think that there's any chances that this lingers for the rest of the year? Oh, 100%. It could. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on, but we have seen multiple times where these foot injuries, especially for wide receivers who rely on the ability to plant, cut, jump, twist, all those things quickly. Um, yeah, if it doesn't heal properly, it could definitely be an injury that sticks around for more than just one week. All right, well, let's move on and talk about Chris Carson, who is an 80-year-old woman and has a hip injury. So um, tell me what's going on with this, because it's now been bugging him for a few weeks, I'm pretty sure, even though he's gotten some some playing time in. In my line of work, I should not be laughing at that joke, because it's a very serious injury for those old ladies. Um, But yeah, with with Chris Carson, uh, we don't know exactly if this is related meaning his recent thigh injury and his hip injury Um, I will say it was on the same leg uh, as what he was injured with on the injury report with the hip heading into the game Sunday he aggravated the thigh and you could see him on the sideline with um, with an ice pack wrapped around his leg so you know we still don't know the specifics but Pete Carroll who normally is very optimistic actually came out and said you know Chris Carson's very sore this week and he's dealing with some pain so uh, I would not be surprised at all to see Mike Davis get the start over Carson on Sunday wait did I just hear that Pete Carroll was actually negative about someone he was like, that makes he said the it start in a very, of the week I he said think. it in a very very nice <laughs> way but yes he he said it negatively <laughs> oh man you can never trust what Pete Carroll says but that's that sounds like it's something semi uh, legitimate so Keep it, keep tabs on that. See if he practices this week. Uh, sounds like Leonard Fournette's coming back though from his hamstring injury that's kept him out for uh, what is it now? I think he he came back in the middle of it and then went out again. So it's been it's been on and off now all season. Uh, but did, do you think he's ready to go? Do you think the hammy's all good? I do. I mean, he practiced in full today, and you know, at this point, it's just a matter of monitoring the practice reports. This was kind of the plan all along. They had said, you know, we're going to hold him out. Roughly until the bye, they had their bye last week, and now he's kind of right back in there. So uh, things are, are pointing to him being available for owners finally this week on Sunday. Yeah, and we haven't seen him since week four, and he's only had 20 carries all season between between one performance in week one, and then he missed those two, and then one performance in week four. And I think he left both of those. So it, we've, I think we've all kind of forgotten about Fournette and who he is. Um, but I, I'd have some pretty decent confidence and I mean, maybe Beth can speak to this a little bit more, but the fact that they held him out all this time and, and through the buy tells me that they believe that they could be okay and then bring him back when they know there's no chance of re-injury, which means we can trust him. 
I guess it's between that and now they're desperate, but I'm going to go with the former and like Fournette moving forward. Yeah, I mean, definitely the, the timeline that he had followed was kind of in their plans all along. So you like to see that, and you like to see them kind of learn from their first mistake and say, okay, it's time to shut him down. Let's do this thing you know, right the second time around. I will say, though, the Carlos Hyde sign and trading um, made me more hesitant than I was before because they're saying, okay, what happens if this happens again? Are we really 100% sure that it doesn't? Uh, and with hamstring strains, that's the truth. You just don't know if it is going to happen again. Um, so until we see you know, Fournette get a week or two consistently in there with his full workload, uh, I'm still going to be a little uh, cautious, I'll say. I am still so perplexed with that trade. I don't mm. think it made, made any sense at all. I mean, they were going to try and fill the gap until Leonard Fournette was back and they could get some wins, but, I mean, now they're 3-5. and five. What? Why did they get Carlos Hyde? Why did they take on that money? Uh, just It doesn't make any sense to me. He's not going to contribute to their offense whatsoever. Uh and if he does, fantasy-wise, if we have a three-headed backfield, I'm out. I, I don't want Leonard Fournette. I don't want Yeldon. Uh, I don't want Hyde. I, the only maybe would be, like, Yeldon in full PPR. That's the only maybe. But that's even absurd that I have to say that. So Yeah, this is slowly becoming it's the Philadelphia Eagles backfield situation here with multiple guys. It's going to be nasty for Gross. fantasy. Would you rather yeah. have Fournette or carry on Johnson? Carry on Johnson. Not e- I don't even have to think about it. Wow. Yeah. I I think I'd take Fournette, but that's that's fair. Than I mean, I be. I get I get why. Um, but I don't want a part of this Jaguars team right now if I can help it. But let's talk real quick about Sam Darnold. He has been seen in a walking boot and already declared out for Sunday. So we're gonna see old man McCown come out and sling the pigskin once again. He is uh. Just you can't get rid of him in this league. He's always going to show back up eventually. So uh, I don't know what that game is. Just going to be gross. Bills versus Jets with McCown. Yeah. What is what's the under at right now? Whatever it is, or what's the over under? <laughs> bet the under right now. T- take take the under. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good. I'll look it up if you talk about the situation quick. I will say uh, the one situation one... that I think is intriguing in Okada. Maybe you were heading this way too. Robbie Anderson. What do you think about him with McCown now under center? A lot better. Yeah, Uh, I don't mind. I think that this team and their ability to score might go up with McCown because Darnold has been atrocious. He's been throwing picks like a madman, and we saw what McCown did last year, which was basically the Ryan Fitzpatrick syndrome, where apparently they're old enough and don't care enough, they have nothing to lose, and they just like to sling it. So You know what? I, I'm old. I've been in this league for a while. I don't, I don't care anymore. Just yeah, so that It's good for Robbie Anderson. Um, I think it might be good for the Jets. And I'm, I am slightly suspicious that Darnold has absolutely nothing wrong with his foot. They just slapped a walking boot on there as an excuse to stop having to start him because oh it's they're they're completely out of it. He's getting it torn apart, and it it uh, it was ugly. For the record, the over-under currently is set at 36.5. Wow. Which, that might be the uh, lowest this season. I, I think it is. I, I think it is. It's got to be. It's just two of the worst teams with two of the worst quarterbacks. It's, it, and actually, it sounds like 
there's a chance that Josh Allen plays. I don't know if we mentioned that he yet. Did, yeah, but, he started throwing this week, um, uh, and one of the beat reporters said that as of practice this week, he was up to throwing about 100 balls in the session. So he's ramping up his activity. I still think he's a week away. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sit this week. Good gracious. Which means I, the Nathan I don't Peterman, know, I don't know. Josh McCown show yeah. is here. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this yet. To you guys over on the pod, but Nathan Peterman has thrown more touchdowns to his opponents this season than to the Bills. I was just about to say I might take the over on thirty six and a half on defensive touchdowns. Alone. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh man, sorry Bills fans, yeah. sorry Jets fans. It's gonna be so bad. It's uh, it's it's gonna be a bad game. I think even their fans can be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> But, all right, let, let's talk about a couple of quick hitters. It sounds like Sony Michel's looking like he's going to return from his knee injury uh, and suit up this week, so that's good news. And then also Paul Richardson went to injured reserve. with uh, He had an AC joint that he needs surgery on. So uh, last week, we, well, we talked about it on the waiver pod. Maurice Harris kind of stepped in and got 12 targets. I personally see Josh Doxson as being probably the prime beneficiary here. I don't know how you guys feel about that. You can throw a quick uh, thought out there. Mm, yeah, it might be Doxon for Richardson. What's interesting is Crowder, Jameson Crowder, as we also aren't 100% sure how his health situation goes. And that one is a little bit more Maurice Harris-ish. So it could be that Harris and Doxon are now the two receivers instead of what we had coming into the season in Richardson, Crowder. And, of course, sure. you have Reed, who is the only one healthy. How? And yet can't do anything for fantasy Alex Smith so frustrating because of Alex Smith but yeah yeah but that offense has been fairly anemic the passing offense yeah in when you entered the league or end of the year this year excuse me when you entered the the year in fantasy and you said okay Alex Smith has one of the most talented tight ends in the NFL originally it just made sense right Alex Smith to the tight end Alex Smith to Travis Kelsey it works why is it not working with Jordan Reed I can't figure it out and it makes me so upset it's very sad. Agreed. Let's move on to the over-unders. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. All right. Well, this last week, both Betts and Okada got two, and I only got one. So they've gained ground on the current first-place player. But uh, let's go over real quick. Last week, we were talking about some, some spooky names because it was our Halloween episode. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, looks like Betts was correct in taking the over on Bat Ryan. Uh, Okada nailed the under on Frank Gore. Uh, myself and Okada both got the over on Michael Myers Thomas, and that was over 18.3. He ended up with 33.1 points. It was insane. Maybe like an idiot. Uh, and then we all took the <laughs> under on Trey Tim Burton, uh, and we are all incorrect. And then now, moving on to the last part where we had our pick our own flex portion. Uh, I had Josh Doxson plus 1.1 bonus points, and that put me at 10.6. Okada chose Geronimo Allison, who did not play. <laughs> I have allowed him to to transition into Martez Val, Marquez, excuse me, Valdez Scantling. Too many syllables in that name. Uh, plus point two points, and that ended at 11.8. So he beat me. But it did not matter because mm. Betts beat both of us with Amari Cooper in his first game as a Cowboy. Uh, with his bonus of .6, he ended at 14.9 points. So good pick, Betts. You're going to get the point on that one. 
Uh, that brings the grand total so far through nine weeks to 23 for me, 19 for Okada, and 20 for Betts. So it is still very close. One week oh. could swing it. Uh, it's going to be a tight race all the way through. So it's going to be fun. And with that being said, let's move into this week's selection. There's not really a super big theme here, but what I was planning on doing was taking the top scores uh, from each position last week and using them as our basis. So Drew Brees was the top-scoring quarterback last week. So we'll start with him at the quarterback position. He's playing at Cincinnati, and he is projected for 20 points on the nose. Okada, let's begin with you. Would you like to take the over or the under? Ooh... I'm going to go contrarian here because I think that most people would take the over. The Bengals' defense is awful. I don't know what has happened to them. They've been a defensive team for years, and they're just absolute dumpster fire right now. But Breeze on the road, outdoors, typically isn't as good, and I feel like they're just going to get ahead in this game and then run the ball a lot. So I'm going to take the under. All right, Betsy? I'm going to go over. They're giving up the fourth most to the quarterback position, and Breeze has only gone under this number once in the last four games. So I'm going to go over. Mm, yeah, this offense is just clicking too good. Uh, 20 points, that's not that much. We are talking four-point passing touchdown league, but that really is not hard for Breeze to crest. So I'm taking the over as well. Moving on to last week's number one scoring running back and finally getting a good groove going is Kareem Hunt. He is projected for more than Drew Brees was. He is projected for 20.7, and he is playing at home against the Cardinals. So, bets. I want you to tell me if you're going to take the over or the under on 20.7 points. The Cardinals are one of the absolute worst against the running back, and for that reason alone, I think that the uh, the Chiefs are going to get out big in this one, and I think it's a lot of cream hunt in the third and fourth quarter, just running out the clock. Finding the end zone, not once, but twice this week. He's going over. All right, oh, good gracious. All right. I have to take some risks in order to come back from my last place position of 18th or 18 points. Um, and I think it's going to be so much of what Betts just said that it's going to be Spencer Ware in the third and fourth <laughs> quarter. So, so I'm going to take the under on Kareem Hunt, too. Let's go. Are, are you... Are you kidding me, Okada? No, I'm not. Are you No, 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 are you kidding because that is exactly what I was going to say. Oh. I am not even joking. I was completely ready to offer that up. <laughs> um, boy, now you're making me question my methods here. Uh, jeez. 20.7. Uh, no, I think I'm going to I'll switch. I'll go back to the over. I'll let you have the chance to catch up in points Excellent. here. Excellent. It it's a great matchup and it's hard for me to do it. it I mean, doing that is is literally being contrarian, but it's still a good idea. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take the over instead. So let's move on to the wide receiver position. Actually, the highest score from last week was not this person. It was actually Michael Thomas, but we just did him last week uh, as Mike Michael Myers Thomas. So instead, we're going to go to the second highest scoring wide receiver of week nine, and that was Adam Humphreys of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, who didn't plan that? But Humphreys this week is projected for 8.5 points playing at home against the Redskins. So I'll start this one off. Uh, yeah, under. Next question. <laughs> I got nothing else to add there. Uh, yeah, go under. It's Don't chase these points. Under. 
Yeah, I wish I could just go contrarian all the way down the line because that's probably my only chance, but I can't do it here. <laughs> I'm taking the other under on Adam Humphreys. If it was PPR, I'd do it because he'll probably get like five catches, but it'll probably be for like 40 yards and he won't crest this number in half. So give me the under. Yeah, um, I took a look at this situation because I actually noticed that his snap count was pretty high. So in, in my article I wrote for the footballers this week, uh, I, I talked about it, but it turns out that Adam Humphreys actually has the lowest. Uh, let me let me track this here, right here. So far through the first nine weeks, he has the lowest receiving yards, air yards, touchdowns, average depth of target, and fantasy points of these four receivers. Even though he's second in snaps on the year, mm, so decoy the ultimate decoy. Don't expect exactly <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's perfectly planned. Everyone thought that the ball was going to Humphreys, but oh, yeah, man. no, I am not a fan of Humphreys, and I just want to throw that that little fun fact out there. So let's swing it over to our tight end position. The top scoring tight end of last week was Travis Kelsey. Uh, now this week, of course, we just talked about Kareem Hunt. He's playing at home against Arizona as well. He is projected for 14.9 points. It's a little bit tougher of a price point, I would I would say. So Okada, do you believe Hunt or excuse me, Kelsey is going over or under 14.9? Mm, I think this is a really good number. With Watkins probably or definitely not playing, or at least 100%, and Mahomes probably having to throw three touchdowns because he's Mahomes and that's what he does when he wakes up in the morning, I'm going to have to take the over on Kelsey. I guess this is how they get out to such a lead that Spencer Ware is running the ball in the third and fourth quarter, so give me the over. All right, bets. Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. If if Watkins was playing this one, I would probably take the under, but uh, I expect Patrick, Patrick Peterson to be on Hill a lot, and I think they go to Kelsey more as a result of that. So I will take the over. Now, I'm actually going to take the under here, and I think that Andy Reid is a good coach, and I think he's going to be running the ball a lot, like we alluded to earlier, whether it be with Hunt or where. Um, I think that they're going to come out really fast-paced, and they probably will get a passing touchdown or two, but I think that this game is going to be very run heavy. And I think that if you do not get one of those one or two touchdowns early from Mahomes, it's going to be a rough game for Kelsey. So uh, I'm just purely going to go from the gambling aspect of I, he might not get it. And uh, I'm going to take the under here. He'll probably have a decent game, like probably 100 yards or so. But if he doesn't get that touchdown, he's not going over. So I'm going to take the under. And then let's move on to our flex, which this week is a super flex. We're talking about quarterbacks, and this I thought was kind of an interesting comparison here. So I, I want to hear what you guys have to say on this one. We are picking between Marcus Mariota, who just had a pretty good game against the Cowboys, and he's playing at home against the Patriots, or do you want new 49ers quarterback Nick Mullins playing at home against the New York Giants? Ew. You mean the next Tom Brady, Nick Mullins? <laughs> Ooh, it would have been fun if he was playing the Patriots, but uh, that's Mariota. So, okay, Okada, go ahead and uh, let me know which one you're taking. Oh, my goodness. It, 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 I am sure, I am quite certain that it is dumb to pick Nick Mullins, but I'm going to do it anyways because... <laughs> but I don't care. The Giants, <laughs> the Giants are the only team in the NFL that's given up on their season as much as the Raiders have. So uh, they may be the only other team that he can do what he did last week to again. And I uh, I don't think Marcus Mariota has 
resurrected yet. I need to see it a little bit more until I believe that he's turned around the awful season he was having. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Nick Mullins. It's the wrong choice, but I'm doing it anyways. What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the right choice, which I think is actually Marcus Mariota. You mentioned that he definitely oh. hasn't resurrected his season yet, and I totally agree with you. But it was encouraging last game to actually see him out there without the custom glove on his his hand to help with his feeling and grip strength, which means that's coming back. Um, but it's more about the matchup for me. The Patriots are going to stop the Titans, and I believe there's going to be a lot of garbage time to be had there. And, and in fact, actually, the Patriots are not great against the, the quarterback for fantasy. They're giving up the eighth most points. So I think that Mariota gets it done in this one against uh, Nick Mullins. Hmm. Well, guess mm. what, Bets. Ooh. I'm going Mullins. Oh, you too, man. And you I'm guys. excited because it, this offense looked so fun with him last week. And that's the only word I want to use to describe it. He, They were just out there having fun, like backyard football. And it was just brilliant to watch when they played. Uh, that was the Raiders, right, last week? Yes. Yeah, it was On the Raiders. Yeah, football. that's what I thought. On Thursday. So, yeah, it was just super fun to watch. And, yes, the Raiders are bad. But the New York Giants aren't exactly great either on defense. So, I think that, you know, Brita is going to be fully healthy this week. I haven't seen him on the injury report at all so far this week. So I'm I'm hoping he's back. He'll get some pass catching in. They got Goodwin that they didn't even really use that much last time. Uh, Garcon did, had a good week last time they played. George Kittle is a monster. Oh, my God, that one-handed catch. That was beautiful. Insane. And he came back after an injury and did that. And, just, and then he got the touchdown to boot at the end of that drive. It was fantastic. So I'm going Nick Mullins. Drivers, start your engines! All right, let's move on to our starts of the week, guys. We are going to throw in our starting lineups for Week 10. Make sure we earn those playoff berths. So, Okada, let's start with you here. Tell me who your start of the week is for Week 10. All righty. I'm staying with the hot hand of Duke Johnson in the kitchens. Mmm, the Freddy Kitchens. Oh, new, that's like... new, <laughs> new offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, former running backs coach for the Cleveland Browns, who, as you all may remember when we talked about him taking over, I said, may actually understand what Duke Johnson can do and therefore use him as he should be used. And lo and behold, that's what they did last week, finally. Stupid Hugh Jackson. <laughs> um, Just had to get that in there. <laughs> Yes, Duke had nine targets in this game uh, in week nine, and he caught every single one of them for 78 yards and two touchdowns. He only had one rush, but I honestly don't care. This is what he does, and this is how the Browns are going to move and score points, is by using him the way that he should be used. He's probably one of their best weapons, if not, I think he might underhand or underratedly be their best weapon, at least certainly their most creative sort of weapon but beyond the fact that they're finally now using him and I really like him as a player they're facing the Falcons this week and the Falcons are allowing the most receptions per game to running backs 8.5 per game throughout the season and the third most receiving yards to the running back position as well and that's over the course of the entire season but the Falcons have gotten much much better as an as a team in general over the past few weeks they're on an absolute tear. I think they are going to make a playoff push, and their offense is smoking. So I think they are going yep. to jump way ahead of the Browns in this game. 
more than the Browns have seen, even in the Chiefs game potentially. I think this is going to be a blowout, and that means Duke over Chubb for me. I honestly would probably put him in my top 15 running backs in PPR this week. And I will say, a small caveat, obviously he's much better in PPR than in non-PPR, but I would start him in either, and in PPR, I'd start him over the vast majority of running backs, except pretty much your elite auto starts this week. Yeah, I mean, he's a slot receiver that has running back designation, and now that they're you know they're using Landry on the outside rather than the slot mostly, so uh, you have Rashard Higgins or apparently Brashad Perryman uh, <laughs> playing. Those are the other wide receivers on the Browns right now. So uh, Antonio Callaway, he hasn't been doing much, but he's mostly playing outside as well. So he's the best slot receiver on this team. And I'm 100% with you there. I think this is a good matchup. Now, it, it is important to note that Deion Jones is practicing and could suit back up for the, the Falcons this week. However, I don't think that's enough. I think that's still a bad defense. So <laughs> I'm with it. I like this pick, Okada. Yeah, I, I love it. The matchup could not be better like you talked about, Okada. They just cannot stop running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. So even if Jones is there... It was the same story last year. They couldn't do it last year, and you know that doesn't change anything. Uh, he's going to be in for a big day, and I agree with this 100%. All right, well, Betts, let's, uh, let's go over to your start of the week then. All right, we just talked about uh, one guy that torched this defense last week. Nick Mullins came out on Thursday Night Football, who wasn't even verified on Twitter at the start of the game, and his performance was so good that he got tw- verified <laughs> on Twitter during the game against these Raiders. This week, Phillip Rivers gets to, t- to face that same defense. He is in for a monster week, facing the defense, giving up the league-worst yards per attempt at 9.1, the second-worst uh, QBR at 113.9 um, in the league. And so uh, it's it's a fantastic matchup. And I think the thing that I like to see you know, the most is last week, Keenan Allen finally did what I think fantasy owners were hoping he was going to do uh, when you drafted him. And so I love the fact that this offense is coming together. They're clicking on all cylinders. And uh, I think Rivers is a top five play this week. Uh, I have, yeah. I have to ask, would you sneakily then include both Williams brothers as potential starters this week? I think all weapons in the offense are startable in this matchup. Absolutely. Nice. I don't think that you can all right. necessarily predict which one's going to be better because it's kind of been back and forth. Uh, but you know, definitely matchup suggests it's going to be a good one. And if I'm predicting a big day from rivers, I want all the pass catchers there. I like it. Yep. hundred percent agree. Uh, you might, you know, with like Tyrell Williams, you might swing and miss. He, he's probably gonna get some deep shots, but, uh, he'd be the riskiest one. I think that, uh, still startable though as a flex, but yep. Well, I'll swing over to my uh, my start of the week here, and we already kind of talked about how this Atlanta Falcons offense is humming. I'm going to get a piece of it, and I'm going to start Ito Smith this week in all formats. I think he has great TD upside this week. He's been getting used in the red zone quite frequently. He is playing against the Cleveland Browns, who are number two in points to the running back position so far this year. And they have given up over 100 yards rushing since week three, every single game. They are not doing so hot at that. Uh, You know, it's going to be mostly Tevin Coleman, yes, but I think that Ido Smith is going to have probably 10 carries in this game, a handful of targets. And I think that probably two or three of them are going to be red zone opportunities, and it's only going to take one TD, and I think he's got a chance for maybe two uh, to make it a good 
good fantasy outing. And, and, you know, there's a lot of teams on by and you're trying to find a flex situation. You know, you got injured guys. Edo Smith is a hundred percent startable. I think he's got probably the best touchdown upside of anyone in his range. Uh, so far as rankings go for this week. So like I said, I want a piece of this Atlanta Falcon offense until it slows down, which I do not foresee happening. And against the lowly Browns, I think that they're going to be running the ball quite a bit. So give me Ito Smith, plug him in the flex. Like this one too. And and you mentioned Tevin Coleman. I would honestly be fine starting either and potentially both of them because the matchup mm-hmm. is so good. Everything you said, both of these guys are going to score points. I wouldn't be surprised to see them both get double-digit carries and possibly 15-plus touches. So there's all kinds of opportunity for them. I like it. Yeah, Kent, what do you think here? I'm going to put you on the spot. Duke Johnson or Edo Smith? Mmm. Only play one. Uh, I got I to gotta take Duke Johnson. He was, a, he was a running back one last year in PPR League, so I have to take okay. him. So you, like you said, you have him more as a flex play this week relative to Duke, who I think we all yep. agree is a rock-solid RB2. Yep. Cool. I like it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, sounds good. Well, those are our starts of the week. Let's swing over to guys we really don't like so much. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. I don't want to hear another word out of you. Sit down. All right, let's let's go ahead and work through these guys. We've uh, actually brought up a couple of their names already uh, so far on this particular podcast, but we'll fill you in on why exactly we don't want you to start them this week, and you should find another option. So let's start with bets here. Go ahead and tell me your sit of the week for week 10. Yeah, this week it's going to be tough to sit this guy down, but if I can, I'm going to avoid Sony Michelle this week. Rest of season, I love him, and he's been dynamic when he's in there. But there's a couple of things that we need to consider in this matchup. Uh, he's facing off against the Titans, who their front seven is very, very good, um, and they've been hel- holding running backs to very poor performances on the ground thus far. If we go all the way back to week two, you know these are what they've given up. Last week it was Zeke, 17 for 61. Eckler the week before um, with Melvin Gordon out, 12 for 42. Collins, 19 for 54. With Baltimore, Jay Jai, 15 for 70. Yeldon, when he was kind of doing his thing, 7 for 44. Lamar Miller, 14 for 68. And I know that Michelle is, is definitely more of a supreme talent compared to all those guys. Maybe, you know, not Zeke, but uh, I, I just think, you know, the, the Titans D is so good and on the ground and you know that bill pelichick knows how to attack a weakness and that weakness is malcolm butler so i think they are going to throw mm-hmm. all over him in this <laughs> game uh i'm gonna sit michelle yep. if if i can oh yeah wow no, i agree with that and that makes it a josh gordon game by the way i'm ready Woo! for that yeah you like that okada yeah, right he's josh going gordon. off two in yeah. a row let's go <laughs> um, yeah should have traded for him but I, yep, I, I i am a little curious we we were enjoying for a long stretch Sony Michelle being the only real running back in the New England backfield. Obviously, James White was there as a pass catcher, but almost more of a receiver in a way. Um, and we got to have a, a stretch of New England running back usage where we knew Michelle was going to be the guy. Is there a chance that Cordero Patterson is going to mess that up now? Zero percent chance. All right, good. Yeah, I I just want to take a minute here to point that out. Sometimes the Patriots can do funky things. This is not one of those times. Cordell Patterson was simply used as an emergency running back for the team. He is not a running back. I like it. Yeah, I can tell you that Cordell Patterson did have experience running the football. I mean, he's he's been doing a little bit of it here and there. 
uh, for the Raiders and even a, a sprinkle of it when he was on the Vikings as well. But yeah, he, he knows how to do it. And I think they were just kind of in a pinch and didn't, you know, they don't like Barner and I, I get it because he's kind of bad, but uh, they just decided to kind of roll with that game plan and it worked out for him now that they have plenty of wide receivers so to speak so um yeah that's a one-time deal in my opinion okada how, how about we uh we talk about your set of the week yeah so i'm going with someone here that i am concerned that people think is an auto star just because of his name and that is ty hilton of the indianapolis colts here's the thing hilton has topped 50 yards only two times this entire season he has not been putting up yardage which is what is how he has made his money in fantasy and in the real nfl for that matter um he's not like a uh, elite red zone threat or anything like that and his best game this season came in week seven when he had two touchdowns by some miracle but only 25 receiving yards so the fact that that was somewhat recent, I feel like is a little bit dangerous because if you look at the fantasy number from that week, it looks great. And you say, oh, I can, I can, I can trust this guy. But that was a fluky performance. And other than that, he he's had one okay or one solid game yardage wise and the rest has been very poor. Um, aside from all of that, he's facing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I sort of bad mouth a little bit earlier this year from a defensive standpoint and I still stand by the fact that they're not as good their corners are not as good as they were last year and their defense as a whole is not as good as it was last year and their team as a whole is way worse than it was last year however they're still defending the wide receiver very well and that their cornerbacks are still well above average they've uh, the Jaguars on the whole are allowing the fifth fewest receptions to the wide receiver position the least receiving yards and they're tied for the fewest receiving touchdowns all season. As well as, by the way, the fourth lowest yards per reception. So if you're hoping for big plays from Hilton, they're not really letting that up either. I think this is going to be a Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines game. I think the Colts are honestly going to win this game. Which, I don't know if that's a hot take at this point because of how bad the Jaguars have been playing. But I think they get ahead. And I think that the majority of the passing they do, they're smart enough to keep um, kind of in that low intermediate route range to Hines and even Mac also and then the tight ends as well with uh with Doyle back too they've got a lot of weapons so they don't need to rely on Hilton so all those things combined I don't like it and I would like to sit down Hilton despite the name value this week yeah I mean yeah I I, I almost chose luck for this sorry I, was, I, I almost chose luck for this but decided not to because you were taking Hilton, that was gonna be my so question actually Ken, is what do you guys think about luck this week are you comfortable playing him in this on paper, a difficult matchup. I think um, he's going to be f- fine. Yes, I just, that's what I, I don't think said. he's going to be having the weeks he's been having lately is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think Agreed. both of your assessments are fair as well. I'm still comfortable, I think, rolling TY out there, but uh, for me, I, th- I feel like Andrew Luck is going to throw two or three touchdowns like he always does. The yardage probably won't be there, but um, if he does, I just have to think that Hilton finds the end zone and I know that's not what we like to predict because they're so hard to predict touchdowns uh, but I'm still comfortable putting him in there I think it's more of a manager expectations situation for me if I play him I mean you also have to remember that Mo Alley Cox is going to catch one of those <laughs> touchdowns so <laughs> fantastic name <laughs> not really not, not really guys yeah no that's a good call and I, I agree with it but 
Uh, I'll fill you in on my sit of the week this week, and it's, uh, like I said, a guy we already talked about. It's Carrion Johnson uh, coming off kind of a disappointing week, and he's going to be heading into Chicago to play at Soldier Field against the big, scary Bears. Oh, so, so scary. They are allowing the fourth fewest points to running backs in the last two games. They haven't allowed over 100 yards rushing. In fact, they've only allowed over 100 yards rushing rushing twice so far this season. Uh, so they have been absolutely monsters against the run. It sounds like Khalil Mack is healthy and is going to be playing once again. I don't think that there is any chance that the Lions get a run game going. And if they do, uh, it's probably going to be probably going to be blunt taking touchdowns or theoretic taking passing work, which is kind of what happened last week. So, yeah, carry on Johnson. Not a good start this week. You know, he's going to have to do this and he's going to have to take on the Bears again in two weeks. So, you know, you're probably going to sit him again that game as well, even though he's going to be at home. So it might be a little bit better, but. It's a rough stretch here for Carryon Johnson, so I'm going to sit him down this week for sure. Yeah, as long as Theoretic is healthy and out there uh, in his pass-catching role, that really does limit Carryon Johnson's upside, which we saw from a couple weeks ago when Theoretic was out. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Kent. I'm hoping that the Lions can somehow give him enough volume in these few weeks if you have to play him, uh, but I'm not excited about it by any means. All right, well, those were our sits of the week. So next, we're going to move on to a segment, which we kind of have already done, but instead, we're going to be talking about some trade targets for playoff caliber players. Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. All right, so we're going to talk about one guy, a piece here that we are trying to trade for. Uh, going into the playoffs here, uh, someone who has a good schedule, weeks 14 through 16. And if you play in leagues that have playoffs 15 through 17, you are wrong and you should change that. So uh, <laughs> we, we are going to be focusing on weeks 14 through 16. So let's start with Okada. Tell me a guy you're excited about uh, for the end of the season, even if not this week or next week or whatever. Yes, sir. Well, fortunately, my guy is every week from here until the rest of this, the end of the season, so you don't even have to worry. Uh, and it's John Brown of the Baltimore Ravens. First of all, he's coming off a bad game and has sort of had a not-great stretch recently, which I think has depressed his value, probably to the point where you can get him almost as a like a twofer piece or something like that, where you can get someone to say, oh, why don't you throw John Brown in there? Because yeah, uh, he in. sucked recently. Just throw him in. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to suck for the rest of the season. First of all, he's still third in air yards in the entire NFL behind only Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. Also, I have a... Then this one's pretty much gut narrative, but I'm going to say it anyways. I have a feeling that Joe Flacco is going to kick it into a second gear over the next few weeks because of these Lamar Jackson... Jackson? <laughs> Lamar Jackson! Jackson? <laughs> Rumors. Um, they're talking about give, giving Jackson a whole series, uh, Harbaugh is, and then obviously other people are talking about, well, why don't you just bend Flacco entirely? He's washed up. Here's the thing. Flacco is already having a good year. They've had a rough past few weeks. I think that's been honestly more on the defense, struggling a little bit after being elite over the first several weeks. So I think Flacco gets a little bit of that Alex Smith syndrome that we talked about at the beginning of the year 
uh, where Patrick Mahomes came in and lit Alex Smith on fire. In this case, Lamar Jackson lights Flacco on fire, as much at least as Flacco can be lit on fire, which, I mean, it's not super great, but it's enough (laughs) to support John Brown. And if it wasn't enough to support John Brown normally, it will be with this schedule starting next next week, two weeks from now. Yeah, because he's on bye right now. Yes, yes, correct. Next game. Cincinnati Bengals, 27th against the wide receiver in fantasy. Oakland Raiders, 26th. Falcons, 30th. Chiefs, surprisingly, only 15th. But that's his yeah. best opponent, 15th. Then the Buccaneers, 31st in Week 15, and the Chargers, 16th in Week 16. That That's a lot of good matchups. John Brown is going to catch a hefty amount of long touchdowns over the next six, one, two, five to six weeks. And he's going he's gonna to win you a fantasy week in playoff time, which is what you want. So, gimme, gimme. Have you been reading my tweets? Because I just tweeted this like a week ago. Actually, not even. Probably about four days ago. Uh, Kent, I always I, read I, your tweets. You always read my tweets. Of course <laughs> you do. But no, um, I agree with this. I, I said almost the exact same thing. And one thing to add is he's playing six out of seven of these matchups coming up. Actually, wait. Uh, no. Okay, so I included Pitt. So five out of six of these matchups going forward are against top 11 scoring teams in the NFL, meaning game script is going to be important for uh, the Ravens passing the ball more. So I'm with you here. Guys, that was so Very good tasty. that I just on the pod sent out a couple of trade offers in some leagues for John Brown. So Ooh. I love it. Spicy. <laughs> he's sneaky. And pe- I think you're right. I think he's coming off a couple of bad weeks, so people are going to be looking to get rid of him on the, you know, he's probably hovering around the 20th uh, ranked wide receiver in your league, depending on the settings. So. Yeah, you could probably sell him for something, uh, or excuse me, buy him for something that's cheaper than uh, you would uh, really, you know, be worried about giving away. Yeah, love it. All right, uh, bets. Give me yours. Yes, I'm gonna go to the quarterback position again. I don't know why I keep talking about quarterbacks, uh, but I am buying Cam Newton for my playoff push. He is in for a monster several weeks here coming up, which he's already been great. So you're gonna have to pay up to get him, but I think it's going to be worth it. This is a schedule of 13, weeks 13 to 16. At Tampa Bay, the worst against quarterbacks. At Cleveland, that doesn't scare you. Home against New Orleans, they're the second uh, most to the fantasy quarterbacks. And then week 16, the championship, he gets to play at home against the Atlanta Falcons. These are some mm. of the best matchups, like John Brown, that he's going to have uh, when it comes playoff time here for you. The other thing that I think is, is interesting, Kent, you're going to smile. DJ Moore is having to break out couple of weeks here he's really rounding into his own greg olson's getting healthier and healthier he's becoming what he's been for his entire career which is great for cam and he's currently on pace for the second most rush attempts in his eight-year career all those things add up to fantasy goodness i will want some cam newton for the playoffs yeah um cam newton's a top five fantasy quarterback i think we talked about that before the season i'm i'm all for that 100% agree. I even think he's a top five NFL quarterback right now. And I think he should be in the MVP conversation. He's playing out of his mind. He is. And the way he's he's throwing and playing is perfect for this system that Norv Turner has implemented. It's it's short, quick, intermediate passes. It's timing-based. It's it's fantastic. It's working for him, and it's working for the team, and it looks good. Even though everyone said... He couldn't pass short to intermediate when they drafted Chris McCaffrey. <laughs> never understood that. Yeah. So stupid. Yeah, I never, I never understood that at all. But I like it. 
Well, I'll tell you my trade target going forward, and it's going to seem like a weird one because he's been pretty uh, – well, he's kind of struggling outside of touchdowns. But Alex Collins, I think, represents a good opportunity to buy really, really low. They just traded for Ty Montgomery, so people are going to be like, oh, it's a timeshare between him and the one-yard dive guy. What's his name? I forget. <laughs> but Javorius or something like that. No, Alex Collins is still the lead running back here. He's had a couple of down weeks. He still is going to be averaging double-digit carries and a couple of dump-off passes every single game. That's enough to get it done. His schedule going out of the year is absurd. He is also on bye this week, but going forward, he's playing against the Bengals, who are 27th, the Raiders, who are 28th, the Falcons, who are 29th, the Chiefs, who are 32nd, the Buccaneers, who are 26th, and then the Chargers, who are 16th. But you know what? I don't mind the championship weekend one being the worst of these because you got to make it there. You know, you can have a good matchup in your if in your week 16, but if you don't make it there, what's the point? So I I definitely wait having a good matchup early in the playoffs more when I'm looking at this kind of stuff and he gets the easiest team in week 14, the bottom of the barrel Chiefs in terms of run defense. So that's like a multi-touchdown game right there for Collins, and people are not going to see it coming. Uh, so I'm all aboard Collins. You can get him super cheap right now. People are just done with him. So, yeah. Who knew we'd be talking so much about the Ravens and how they're going to win you your league this year? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, I suppose. I just listed the same exact uh, <laughs> schedule that you did, but, you know, with the run defense. But I, I'm all aboard, man. The Ravens uh, look good down the stretch here. I also... Uh, in largely contrary to my target, but if Lamar Jackson does get put in, I think that helps Alex Collins. It, yeah, yeah, the rushing I quarterback know. always I, helps the the running back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so They'll keep an eye on that. Plays. That could help even more. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun to watch. So I, I kind of hope that he gets put in just for purely entertainment's sake. But mm. uh, th- there's there's something to be said there that that could help Alex Collins as well. All right, well, uh, those were a couple of guys we were targeting in trades going into the playoffs, so hopefully we convinced you to go out there and wheel and deal a little bit. But let's jump into the mailbag. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? All right, we had a couple of questions come in on Twitter. You can, of course, find our Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod, and we are on there all the time tweeting out stuff, responding to people. You can also hit up any of us three on Twitter. We will drop our Twitter handles at the end. I feel like we haven't done that in a while. So let's go through these mailbag questions real quick and uh, answer some questions for the people. So up first, we have at K underscore Riggs 808, a common mailbag uh, enthusiast here. He's asking Valdez Scantlin. Scantlin. Valdez Scantlin. What is that, like a city in Alabama? (laughs) Valdez Scantlin or Amari Cooper for the rest of the season. It's MVS for me, and it's not that close. I feel like everybody's going to look at Amari Cooper's first game as a Cowboy and say, Ah! He's back! But every time we've seen Amari Cooper be back over the past three years, he's then gone back away immediately afterwards. So until I see several games from Cooper that I can trust, uh, I'm off. And and Valdez Scantling has put several games together that I can trust, and he has a much better quarterback in a better offense so it's easy for me that was gonna be my question here to uh k riggs is who would you rather have throwing your receiver the ball dak prescott or aaron Rodgers? and that's what it comes down uh to me the other thing is we maybe could have talked about mvs 
and the Packers wide receivers on the last segment about the playoff push. He's got a fantastic matchup schedule. Week 14, Atlanta. Week 15, not great. They have Chicago, but at home, uh, week 16 against the Jets. So you like all, uh, or most of those matchups, I should say. Um, I'm going to take MVS in this situation. I'm going to uh, go with good old good old boy Scantlin here. <laughs> Marquez Scantlin? <laughs> Marquez Scantlin. <laughs> oh, what speaking say? of which, for some reason, it's actually supposedly Marquez. No, <laughs> I, I heard that Yes, today, yes way. I don't know why. Well, the first few times I heard it, I thought it was not right, but it is Marquez. So oh, okay. there you go. Marquez All right, I'll try and get that right from now on. I guess well, it's I like mispronounced... more French than uh, whatever Hispanic. I don't know. Marquez? Southern. Make assumptions Southern. here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think we kind of went around the horde said Valdez Scantling there. So that's uh, your answer from us. But up next, we're going to take a question from at Mike Dunn. Uh, and a bunch of numbers. I'm not reading all those numbers. Uh, you can go find him on Twitter if you want to. But he's saying with AJ Green out, will Lattimore shadow Boyd this week? And if so, should he flex Chubb or, like we just talked about, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling over Tyler Boyd? What are your thoughts? Ah, this is the one that Betts was having me wait for. So I guess I'll jump yeah. in yeah, here. Go for it. I think I think yes, and what I was about to say back in that earlier segment is that I was really sad because I have Tyler Boyd in a couple of my most important leagues, and I really wanted A.J. Green to soak up Marshawn Lattimore so that Tyler Boyd could annihilate the rest of the Saints secondary that has been atrocious this year. However, I think Boyd is good enough to still annihilate this Saints secondary, regardless of where Lattimore plays, and I do think that he will be on Boyd most of the time, but I think yeah. that Boyd will still have a great game. Um, so I'll, I'll take him over Chubb and MVS, despite the fact that I like both those guys as well. Yeah, Actually, for me, this is a Chubb, Chubb game. Uh, I think he's okay. like almost guaranteed for 10 points, and I think he has potential for a lot more than that. So that's my pick. Yeah, I would take Chubb here as well. The thing about Boyd is that he does play most of his snaps. I think it's about 60 to 65%. I can't remember off the top of my head from the slot. Um, and if Marshawn Lattimore does not shadow him in the slot, I think he still is going to have a fantastic matchup. Um, but I'm just not sure. And so for that reason, I'm going to stay away from it and go Chubb. And I'm almost even thinking Tyler Boyd might move outside a little bit more in this game, which is more unfamiliar territory for him. Uh, something he's not quite as good at. So that could be a hindrance to him as well. I, I don't know if that's for sure going to happen. I don't know the Bengals' game plan with him, but uh, it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. Yeah, we'll find out this week. All right, up next we have a question from uh, Michael Stepney, a friend of ours. He is at mstepney71. He says, with the loss of A.J. Green, we're talking a lot of A.J. Green right now, with the loss of A.J. Green for at least two games, are you concerned about the offensive production for the Bengal, the Bengals? That's a word. The Bengals <laughs> as as a whole. Um, a little bit, but not as much as you might think. I actually did a little bit of research studying uh, earlier this week on Andy Dalton without A.J. Green. There's been ten games that Green has missed that Dalton has played, and his touchdown to interception ratio has not been great without him. But I also don't think he's had as good a receiver as Tyler Boyd over that span, potentially. Um, he's had some okay secondary guys, like Marvin Jones, right? Was a Bengal yep. back in the day? Yep. Yes, yes, um, he was. 
But I don't think that it, it drops off much for him, and I think that Joe Mixon is completely fine, and as I talked about above, I think Tyler Boyd's jump in targets makes up for potentially more difficult coverage. So, I'm okay. I'm a little worried. I, I think their offensive production is going to struggle a bit. We know that Dalton just relies so much on Green. Um, he targets him like crazy. I'm just I'm concerned that the other guys aren't going to be able to step up um, when they do face true number one cornerbacks uh that's my concern and so for that reason i'm definitely downgrading this offense as a whole yeah uh we talked about on the waiver pod it dalton was a downgrade i don't think i can trust john ross i don't really know enough about the other wide receivers there to trust them mixon will probably be okay and i think boyd will be good from week to week just not this week so but uh, yeah. you know who you can use. Oh, give it to me. Oh, Uzama. <laughs> oh, can we though? <laughs> I mean, I think he has he's a been good okay. chance to catch a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. He's I think he's okay. back. I think he's back towards starter territory this week at least. We'll see. All right. Well, we got one final question here. So we kind of talked a little bit about trade targets. So let's talk about one more. This is from at Finlay underscore AJ. Which wide receiver one or high wide receiver two are you targeting for rest of season for a trade? I'll go first since I was... I see this one Yeah, I was, yeah. was kind of <laughs> wanted to throw this on the dock here because I wanted to talk about it. He's a player that I love, and I think that he's, he's coming for his second half explosion, which we saw last year, and that's Keenan Allen. Right now, he's actually wide receiver 22 on the year in half PPR formats. He is going to absolutely smash that number... Um, in terms of exceeding it the second half of the year. Phillip Rivers is looking great. The offense is on fire. Um, and we're finally seeing Keenan Allen break out uh, like he did last week. So I love him the rest of the season, and I would definitely be trying to trade for him. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good one. I'm going to go with another guy that we've kind of been talking about for a bit, and it's Julio Jones. I think you can still get Julio Jones at less than his value. If you... Obviously, it's going to take a lot to get him, especially after he finally caught a touchdown. Huzzah! Yay. But I think there's a decent chance you can still get him as a 6-10 to 10 wide receiver cost instead of the 1-5 to five that he should be. So see what the going price is for Julio in your league. Yeah. No, that's a good one, too. My, my choice was going to be uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, actually. Mm-hmm. He's got a decent playoff schedule coming up. So, and actually, his I, so this one was about rest of season. So his, his matchups leading up to the playoffs aren't great, but they're okay. I mean, Jacks Jacksonville's the hardest one next week. This week he's got Carolina, but in the playoffs he gets Oakland, New England, and the Saints. So that's a good way to end the season there. And he's had a couple of just so-so weeks, but he's still a high-end wide receiver too for me. Yeah, yeah, those are great last two matchups because both those teams have really good number one corners who will be on AB and leave Juju yep. open. That's to exactly what shred. I was going to say. Not to it. mention the not to mention the sixty point over unders for both of those games. Probably <laughs> true. Does those help? Yeah. So those are our picks, and uh, that's it for the mailbag this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we're almost done, baby. I mean, we're, we're going in the home stretch here, heading towards playoffs. Hope you guys get your wins, get into the playoffs, and uh, win some championships, and hopefully we can help out a little bit with that. So real quick, let's go around the horn, drop our Twitter handles. I am at Kent Weirock, and that is spelled very German. So uh, Betts, how about you go next? 
I'm at the fantasy PT. And I am at fantasy sensei, which is spelled very Japanese. Hi. And (laughs) (laughs) and we are the red shirts. Uh, we're, We're glad to be here giving you this fantasy advice. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be here on the waiver pod this coming week. And the next weekly show. Thank you for listening, and once again, we are the Red Shirts. Red Shirts.